This is Small Changes, Stark Reality on jasoncharles.net. Check one, two. Small change here. Another episode of Stark Reality coming your way. This time featuring my friend Candace Holmes, who is a native New Yorker, now in exile, living in Germany since 2015, and based in the Peter Pan capital of Europe for the past six and a half years, that is Berlin. She spends her time working and marketing, nights out in clubs and bars. And of course has plenty of opinions on German life and culture and is looking forward to the day where she can become a German-American if the Berlin citizenship backlog and German language test results permit. Anyways, Candace is top peoples and we get into uh, just another, a lot of aspects of uh, living in Germany and different racial things with that and... uh, talk a lot about Palestine and how Germany treats BDS and one thing to keep in mind is this is recorded September 20th so well before this um, whole horrific genocide going on in Gaza for the last month so just keep that in mind since it's kind of lighthearted. we're not trying to be uh, flippant we just uh, you know it was before this was all happening but uh, she has some good uh, insights on German life and uh, just as top peoples. So, uh, and leaves us a nice mix of uh, some dance, disco, and even some like underground German favorites, hilarious stuff. Candace Holmes here on Stark Reality. <laughs> I know you get that the double uh, like hello hello. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> Candace, it's been a minute. How you been? I know I've been right good. On. I've been good. Like I mean, I was in New York in May, but for like a week, and half of it was like going to my school reunion, spending three days with like folks and friends, and just being out. So yeah. I think I saw you the last time I was there, maybe like two, three years ago, right? Yeah, I think so. But um, how long? You've been in Berlin, right? Or where Where are you exactly? Yeah, I'm in Berlin now. Um, I've lived here... How long have I lived here? It's been a long time. Yeah. I mean, I've been in Germany like eight and a half years now. So that must be... I could technically become German if I wanted to. (laughs) Oh, is that how, how long does it take if you wanted to become a citizen there? Um, I mean, they have different levels and they're actually doing a big overhaul of the whole system for next year, which annoys me a little. Um, but when I came here, you had to kind of put eight years in, um, you know, unless you went to school here or married someone here or, you know, whatever. Um, but I think they're reducing it starting next year or the year after whenever they implement this stuff to be like five years or something. 
Wild, wild. And I used to see you, I'm trying to remember, I know I knew you used to come like to Ruby Lad and a bunch of different parties in New York, right? You were you were out yeah. and about. Like yes. when when did you grow up in New York? I don't even know where you where you're from originally. Yeah, I'm from Brooklyn originally. Oh, okay. I mean I used to see yeah, I used to see you everywhere. And you know, the, the good thing about living in Berlin is still very easy to be out and about. So that has not changed. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it has it. I mean, I would say Berlin probably laps New York in some ways in terms of uh, because New York, I mean, especially even before the pandemic, but after the pandemic, uh, things have kind of slowed down and things tend to close a little bit earlier. But Berlin, I mean, I was in Berlin in 2003, 2004. And yeah, it was a whirlwind. I didn't get much sleep. I was like, (laughs) I remember being in like one party another party another party and then my friends like oh let's go to this russian bar and they're, they're open till like two and i was there at like eleven thirty or 12 and having beers and i'm like this is just wrong how do people ever sleep <laughs> just crazy Some people don't. yeah like it's, it's a running joke like there's this instagram account called like berlin club memes and it's always like partying 72 hours for the weekend you know <laughs> just trying like the burgine like thing of somebody like a show of themselves you yeah know? yeah like never leaving <laughs> burgine or whatever just yeah ridiculous um what are what are some parties and stuff or or things that you like to check out out there i mean you know i actually was at burgine on saturday i hadn't i mean i don't go there that much because um i mean it's fun but like they actively go out of their way to be more expensive than every other club in town. So let's say if there's another big party and everyone's charging 15 or 20, then they're going to charge 22 or 25. And it's like really a thing. And so, you know, like, you know, the lineup's not always worth it. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Once you go there, you're in there, even if it's not like, I'm not spending two days in there, but you know, it's going to be like, get there at five in the morning, maybe leave at 5 PM sort of thing. So it's gotta be somebody I want to see, or at least, you know, friends that I want to hang out with or something. I mean, but it's kind of nice because then people have extended sets, right? Like people play like four hour sets there or something like that. So it's not just like, it's not like an hour or two kind of headline set. People can stretch out a little bit or whatever. Yeah, that's true. Cause I mean, there's other clubs in town. Like there's this place called, RSO. Um, if you ever heard of this place, Grishmula, it's like the, you know, the next uh, reiteration of that. And yeah, they kind of do like they do in other cities where if someone's playing a set, it's two hours, three hours. And that doesn't make any sense to me. It's like, if I'm paying 20 bucks, like I want to see them stretch out and take me somewhere. I don't Which want them to cheap be nowadays. Leaving. I don't know, man. Things have got like <laughs> concerts especially but it's it's like it's just loopy how expensive things have gotten i don't know are things still relatively affordable out there or is it kind Uh, of like getting more expensive definitely more expensive i mean i would say pre-pandemic to go to a club it would be like 10 to 15 and now it's like 18 to 25 so you know there's a lot of people that are super upset about that there was a article that a a friend wrote in in one of the newspapers maybe about a month or two ago about you know because berlin's thing they had this uh saying in the early 2000s poor and sexy uh that is so hilarious it's like keep austin weird like berlin poor and sexy that's ridiculous that's so ridiculous i mean but you know that was then and this is now pretty much even before the pandemic stuff was starting to get a little pricey like trying to find an apartment now is crazy 
And there's still the people who have in their mind of things from 15 years ago where it's like, I want a five room apartment that's, you know, a full floor and it's going to cost me 350 euros. Like, no, that doesn't exist. <laughs> like, stop playing. So. Right, right, right. Yeah, because I mean, I I don't know if you follow the rents in New York or even a lot of American cities. I mean, it can't be as bad, I hope, as, as no. what's going on because... But at the same time, that, that seems to be going on just around the world in general, you know? Yeah. And I mean, you know, I'd say for Germany, Berlin wages are actually pretty low. So let's say, you know, you actually have a job where you're working for the city of Berlin, like you're making making like 25000 a year. And there's people who maybe don't necessarily have raises. There's no cost of living adjustments. So it was easy for them if they had an apartment that was 500 euros a month. And now if they need to move somewhere, that same apartment being 1200 it's just not going to work anymore. Right. That's wild. That's wild. So, yeah, so people... You know, and how 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 did how are you you uh, you've been working there? I guess uh, how did you end up there in the first place? Um, well, <laughs> God, it's been it's kind, kind of, of a most... whole journey. You know, not to it indict was, you it... in any way. You know, <laughs> no, it was it really was a journey. Like um, like around two thousand nine, I went back to school um, because I had I mean I had already been thinking about it, but then I got laid off out of the the job that I had. So it was kind of like, Oh, perfect. I'll go to school. Cool. Um, and then coming out of there, um, in the middle, I did kind of the study abroad program. Cause when I originally wanted to study abroad, when I was in undergrad, I graduated in 2003. So when it was time for me to do study abroad, Hey, September 11th happened. So it was like, um, I don't know if I'm going to pick up and go anywhere overseas now. So then I kind of like just never happened. And it was like, well, I'm in school. It's expensive as fuck. So it's like, you know, this is this school program was like the equivalent of me buying a house. So maybe I'll get the nice paint and go do the study abroad that I always wanted right, to do right. when I was younger. <laughs> so um, doing that, that was my first time ever coming to Europe. And that was like 2010. So I was just like, oh, wow, this is possible. Everything's so cool. It's like I've seen in the movies. And then, you know, when I got out of school, I was like, all right, you know, maybe I can try to see a way for me to get over there. Um, and I started working for a company that had offices all over the place. Um, I was working for them and I wanted to transfer. I had it in my head that Amsterdam was the place that I wanted to go. And no, I don't smoke weed. <laughs> I mean, not really. <laughs> That's not why. <laughs> I think a lot of people who are from Amsterdam don't smoke weed either. They're almost over uh, it, you know, which is yeah. kind of hilarious. They're like, yeah, oh, they're you like... came here to smoke weed. All right. It's like, yeah, it's like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they might have like the occasional cookie or something, but for the most part, they're totally living life out with outside of that. I mean, they might be um, alcoholics, but you know. <laughs> well, I don't know. Like in Amsterdam, they actually will give you a ticket if you're drunk on your bike. So wild, like, you can't go too crazy. Oh, that's I mean, they, people do get around, and you know, if, when you have that much bike traffic, I could see that because then you could have problems. You know, like you're yeah. literally drunk driving. On a bike, it's if you you could cause an accident because everyone is on a bike out there. So yeah, and if you ever see how they ride, they ride like speed demons. So yeah, imagine like crazy. someone going full speed, drunk, like a whole city of it. Like it does not work. Um, so yeah, I wanted to go there first because you know I work in like um, advertising, creative stuff, and it's kind of like the the European hub, not London because London was way too expensive. Oh, I didn't know that. 
in terms yeah. of uh, create. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, so that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go there. I tried to transfer. My boss in New York was like, mm, kind of dangling out a promotion that he had no intention of giving me. And it's like, well, you don't understand. I'm already planning to go there, so I'm just going to go. So that's what I did. I quit my job, and I was going in Amsterdam trying to have face-to-face -face interviews with all these people that I had been trying to contact long distance. And um, then they were like, ooh, you know, you've never lived outside the U.S. before. What if we spend 5000 on a visa, and then you decide that you hate it in six months? And I was like, I'm, I'm literally left my job in New York to come here. I think I'm pretty committed. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? It is kind of funny, though. <gasps> I yeah, mean, not I mean, not funny, but it is kind of funny how these things work, you know? Yeah, it was so dumb. But so um, I had a friend that I knew from Brooklyn who had moved to Berlin maybe like a year or so before that. And he was like, stop wasting your time with that. Like, it's too expensive there. They're kind of annoying. In Germany, you're probably going to find a job. You can set yourself up and it'll be fine. And I ended up finding a job at the company that had laid me off, but the Frankfurt office. And they were specifically looking for an English-speaking person with like international experience or whatever so then i lived in frankfurt for two years and then i've been here about six and a half years now nice so, yeah journey journey <laughs> <laughs> and, it uh, was not a straightforward thing yeah no i mean it, it almost like you had to kind of fight for it in a way you know yeah yeah and it's funny I mean, your I... old company who was like you know ended up hiring you i mean that is kind of funny Again, yeah. funny, not funny, but, you know, but yeah, you're here, sweet. you're hanging, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have lived here so long. Um, no, I mean, I don't, I definitely feel still super American. I mean, my German's not fluent or anything. Um, and, you know, it's different living in a place like Berlin versus living, you know, on a farm in Bavaria or something. So I think it's still, you know, the big city feeling. Even though, you know, there's a lot of Berlin stuff that gets on my nerves. And it's not so... It smells like a big village more than a city sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I know we were kind of chatting about this. And, I, you know, when I started this podcast thing, I know we were chatting. And you were, you know, I was looking at some chat from a few years ago when I think I started this. And then um, we were chatting recently maybe about, like, uh, how Germany treats, like, bds and some of the palestinian rights and then we kind of got off on a whole and she's like and you're like oh i could tell you and i'm like oh yeah that's right i was i was supposed to interview you for my stupid podcast so here we are yeah but, uh, yep. yeah tell me tell me some insights i mean just being you know from brooklyn being black being in germany for for eight years like your impressions or just some random stories or whatever um i mean it's kind of it, the whole thing is kind of funny. Like, um, you know, I think there's a lot of, you know, Black Americans who've come to Europe and then, you know, in their mind, it's better because the dynamics are just very different. So, like, you know, where in the U.S., a lot of the tension, a lot of the history revolves around Black and white in Germany, for example, it would probably be, you know, uh, Germany versus the whole guest worker generation. So that's so that's something that I never heard about until I moved here. So what is that came, exactly? It's people who came here from Turkey or from Greece or Italy or Vietnam, I think from I 
want to say Madagascar, but I know that's wrong. Yeah, remember uh, there's, there's a fair amount of like Turkish people out there, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a ton. So, you know, there was this generation of people who came here kind of post-war to work in, you know, a lot of like factories and, um, you know, a lot of those jobs. And originally, you know, they thought of it like, oh, you know, we'll just have these people here help us rebuild and they'll go fuck off again. But then they just stayed. So there's just like this unique tension, especially with the huge Turkish community and then the later kind of like um, Middle Eastern, North African communities that came not just in Germany, but in France, it's a big thing. In the Netherlands, it's a big thing. And, you know, when there's, you think of something that's racial tension, it'll be, you know, North Africa, Middle Eastern, Turkish versus, you know, the white majority. But, you know, Black people are kind of like the afterthought. So it's almost like having a, a positive uh, uh, like <laughs> reaction to you. I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh because this stuff isn't funny. It's just weird. No, it's, it's just It is kind of bizarre, right? It's bizarre. Yeah. Because, you know, especially growing up and spending, you know, the first 30 odd years of my life in the U.S. where it's really like, you know, this is the central thing. And then going to a new country, a new continent, it's like, actually, you're not that important here. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're worried about the, the damn Turkish people. We're, yeah, exactly. you know, you're like, if <laughs> anything, like a... you make us look better because like, look, we have some black people and they are they're gainfully employed. So how, exactly. how are we racist? You know, it's like we're friends with them. They're super cool. <laughs> we invite them to all our things. Here's my buddy. But, you know, like. <laughs> but those Turkish motherfuckers, fuck them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's very, I mean, it, it's super surprising because, you know, people who, you know, you would, who actively call themselves anti-racist and, you know, are, um, especially with the Black Lives Matter thing, like, you know, they don't get the cognitive dissonance where, you know, it's like, yes, black racism is the worst, whoa, the US, wow, whatever. But at the same time, you know, Noikon is a problem area because it's the most like Turkish and Arab part in the whole city. <laughs> and, you know, that's considered sketchy or this neighborhood called Vedin, it's sketchy. And it's like, oh yeah, there's a lot of like Turkish and Arabs there. I see why you think that. So it's just very different to have the like, the viewpoint shift <laughs> somewhere else. So it's so in almost it's it's a little freeing in a lot of ways because you're just like whatever I'm just me doing my own thing, you know. Not that I don't occasionally have someone who's you know also racist against black people who <laughs> tries to say some shit, and it's just like oh that happens weird. Yeah, <laughs> so it's almost like it. you're a little bit disassociated with it because, like you said, it's not the main focal point. But I'm sure you still deal with some old school attitudes, you know that gets carried yeah i mean are there a lot of black people in general in germany or 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 berlin or no yeah actually so the funny thing is um everyone likes to say how berlin is so like well they call it multiculti so multicultural and you know people represented from all over the world and it's like i don't know to me there's just a bunch of europeans and then people from turkey into the arab countries i don't know like there's not really and you know like we have people from all over europe here so we're... <laughs> it's like we have okay, white people from Italy, italy and white Spanish, people from portugal <laughs> like okay <laughs> So, yeah, so when people tell me, like, Berlin is so multicultural, I kind of think of it as a joke. Um, because I would say that Frankfurt is way more, like, but Frankfurt has an interesting history. Like, Frankfurt... It has a whole dance a dance history kind of in some ways, right? Even though yeah, Berlin has kind of taken over, right? It's it's not yeah. quite it's not quite the same center of dance music as... But I guess in the 90s it kind of was, right? Yeah, in the 90s, it, yeah, it had a whole scene. 
And they actually just opened a, an electronic uh, music museum there in Frankfurt. And they got into a lot of shit. Oh, yeah. Was... No, I was following that. Yeah, yes. Let's talk about this. About let's this talk too. about this a little bit. Yeah. No, I was following that on some, I forget, I'm not on technically some techno forums or a, a few kind of ones that are run by some people. And that's when I first heard about that because they were kind of claiming that, you know, that techno didn't originate from Detroit. Like it's almost yeah. this general thing, you know, where it's like, yes, Detroit, of course, had an influence, but so did Kraftwerk and so did Depeche Mode or something. And it's yeah. it's a little bit corny. I mean, it's more yeah. than a little bit corny. And then especially when they're it's like a white <laughs> museum director from Frankfurt saying that. Yeah, it comes off mad racist because it's yeah. like no, it's like yeah, maybe there's those kind of influences, but it's almost like saying oh, hip hop didn't originate in the Bronx because there was other people doing scat type rapping in the 40s or 50s, but it's like <laughs> it's not really hip hop, you know what I yeah. mean? And it's like yeah, there is those like you could say craft work and Italo disco and different things like influenced, you know, early techno producers, but techno yeah. is you know it's from detroit and it's kind of fucked up that you're going to open up a museum especially like a techno oriented museum and then not say it's from detroit and you're in europe and so many people have already kind of missed the but like so many times like the dance music got so much bigger in europe that you know for a lot of people that weren't really following where it's from they might have thought that oh it is from europe and it is from the love parade and all that stuff yeah and that's what's kind of fucked up about it, you know? It sort of yeah, continues I mean, it, that, you know? It's very bizarre. I think probably the only time I've had kind of like weird, well, most of my weird racial encounters has actually been at parties. Because <laughs> it's like, I'm at a techno party, I'm at a house party, and someone's like, oh, do you, did you mean to be at that other party, the hip hop party next door? <laughs> it's like, You're in the what, wrong girl? room. You're in the wrong room. <laughs> It's like, should I help you go to where the hip hop party is? And I'm like, girl, I've been listening. What are you like, 25? I've been listening to techno. I've been listening to house music almost my whole entire life. And you probably just got into this two weeks ago by looking at TikTok. Like, shut up. <laughs> so it's and it's a, but it's also just it's really twisted because that is where it's from. Like Chicago, yeah. Detroit. And it's like black scenes, you know, I, that's exactly. what's kind of really twisted about it when it's like, oh, you know, just this general stereotyping, like, oh, you're black, so you're into hip-hop, because yeah. us white people have taken over this music to the point that we don't even remember where it's from. And it's even worse that here in Germany, actually, I think it might be other countries in Europe, too, so hip-hop music, R&B music, dance hall, they actually call it black music. So it'll be a black music party where they have this playing. It's so like, ugh. Yeah, no, that's like a European <laughs> record collector thing. I first heard that in like the early 2000s. Uh, I was kind of tripping out on it. I think it was at Academy <laughs> Records and my friend Greg Kaz was behind the counter and someone came in like, do you have any black music? You know, and I was just kind of <laughs> laughing about it because it's like, it All is kind of funny. Laugh. It's just like, it, it's a thing though, but I think it kind of gets categories that in Europe specifically. So I remember yeah. your European diggers basically saying, saying that stuff. And then they are, the, the irony is they are actually trying to collect that shit. So they're not necessarily yeah. trying to be racist, probably the opposite of it, but it just kind of comes off a little bit suspect, you know? 
I mean, it's amazing. Like, you like, know, do you have any white music? You know, like if you flipped it, do you have any white music? Like, what does that mean? Like <laughs> vanilla ice They'll or some shit, you know? Classical? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm looking for, cla- like, if you call classical music, I'm looking for white music. <laughs> I mean, it does probably... Yeah, too, I should start saying that. I'm looking for white music. I, I eat they classical. Act, I mean, I think people actually be legitimately like, maybe that is what they're talking about. <laughs> Oh, but I mean, man. it's so funny. I mean, actually, speaking of records, the the kind of like ironic thing, if you're ever trying to find like really good Soul 45s, like Boogie Rec- Records, Disco Records, oh, Belgium, the Netherlands, the collections that they have there are actually unreal. Like I went to this record store in Antwerp once, and I think a lot of people go into the store, but maybe not buy anything. I came out there with a stack of records, maybe like t- 11, 12 deep. And the guy was so excited because I was just buying all these things. And he's like, are you going to play them tonight at the at the party? I was like, what do you mean? And I was like, no, I'm just buying them for fun. I'm just buying them for me. And he's like, well, okay. Well, if you ever come back to Antwerp, here's my card. So you can buy some more. Because <laughs> here I am going for the, like, because I can't even remember. I think they had, like, Kashif and, like, um, Log and. Oh, wow, nice change just sitting there in like the used bin at this random store in Antwerp and I was going crazy because I was like that stuff is so expensive on discounts but it's sitting right here for five years yes so <laughs> yeah I mean you could you could get some good scores from time to time you know for sure you know it's yeah. it's it's sort of like sometimes people are looking for everything else you know exactly so yeah. uh that's wild but yeah, and then you know that was the thing I think we were talking about recently because there was that uh, I think he's a South African photographer that lives in Berlin and has gotten involved. He's Jewish and has gotten involved with Palestinian rights, and he got uh, yeah. arrested recently at a mm-hmm. rally because that whole thing where it's like okay, because of the Holocaust and Nazi Germany, now we have to be super pro-Jewish, but then of course it gets translated into the concept that we have to support Israel and yeah. then they kind of fall for some of that kind of classic Zionist bullshit that, Oh, if you criticize Israel, you're anti-Semitic. And thus I think in Germany, they have passed laws saying that if BDS boycott divestment sanctions is illegal and yeah. kind of like doing these kind of like pro Palestinian rallies, they get cracked down by the police. So it's, it's kind of ironic that there's, you know, especially given Germans, you know, insanely racist past that then they're openly, I mean, openly supporting an apartheid government and suppressing the people in Germany that are, you know, objecting to it. So it's kind of crazy, you know? Yeah. I mean, the whole situation is actually really twisted here. Um, So I was reading something. I don't remember what I was on. I don't remember if it was like Discogs or actually, no, I do remember it was on Reddit um, because there is like a whole Bergheim group that's on Reddit. And um, someone was asking about going to Leipzig. And um, then someone commented like, yeah, Leipzig is really cool unless you're Israeli. And if you are Israeli with any thought of, you know, being, you know, anti-Zionist, a little pro-Palestine, you will get chased out of every club in the city. You will never be booked to play in Leipzig again because there's this movement in Germany called Anti-Deutsch. So originally that started, I guess, um, I guess 
70s, 80s. And it's very much like a, a leftist position where um, because of Germany's past, um, being imperialist, you know, trying to conquer people, trying to take lands that don't belong to them, that they're very much against, um, you know, Germany overstepping, getting into world affairs where they don't belong. But the one exception is Israel. <laughs> so though at the same time, they'll be like, you know, stay out of Iraq, stay out of Afghanistan, stop following, you know, the U.S. imperialist stuff so much. But Israel, whatever they do is great. <laughs> so um, there's a part of the a club here in uh, Berlin called About Blank. And they had this collective called Room for Resistance that were doing parties there. And, you know, in, as a part of their stuff that they have on their social media channels, you know, they went out of the way to say we're pro BDS, we are pro Palestine. And then they canceled their parties and then they canceled any party that they would have there ever. So a lot of people, especially if they are pro BDS or pro Palestine, they just boycott this about blank pace. And um, last week or the week before they had this book release. So another twisted thing in Germany is there's actually a huge German language only market for books about just i guess you can say they're like zionist books so you know they'll have pro, books pro that'll zionist say, books then yeah so the the books will be like actually you know the holocaust started because people in the middle east were persecuting jewish people wow and you know the biggest threats of you know israel and the world are pro-leftist um you know, pro-leftist party collectives and the queer scene in Berlin or in places like Berlin who are anti-Israel and anti-Jewish who are trying to, you know, conquer. Well, anti-Jewish in quotes, i.e. they're anti-Zionist. Yeah, and, exactly. and, and for them, that means anti-Jewish because that's that's the classic conflation that they use as a, as a trick, you know. Yeah, but it's insane because, you know, what is Berlin mostly known for except for the very open, pro-queer, pro-minority, pro, you know, everyone together, pro, you know, anti-racist type of movement. And then there's a book saying that scene is what's, you know, ruining, <laughs> you know, it's like it's, it was saying basically that people who are in that scene who are into clubbing are being brainwashed by those movements to be anti-Israel, which is like crazy. And then that club about blank, they did the release party for this book. So it's like, oh, if you thought they changed, fuck, no, they didn't. Here they are tripling down on it. So, yeah, you, you schooled bizarre. me on that. And then I looked around on that. And uh, it's it's interesting because I don't think like I've seen too much coverage and even I'd have to look, but like Electronic Intifada and Mondo Weissen. But I think it's kind of something that they should cover because uh, it's that is also very very twisted games and yeah i think it's like what i think is very insidious i mean you kind of expect sort of you know the evangelical christians and the sort of far right to kind of go along with israel because it's like fascist recognized fascist but what i think is insidious is when they try to kind of sell israel and zionism from a leftist standpoint it mm -hmm. really really pisses me off because it's just like it's just a true con but people fall yeah. for it, you know, definitely. I mean, do you think yeah. there, there's there's, you know, because, again, like Germany wants to, like, make sure that, oh, because of our past, like then they you know, I know the government sort of follows along with that. But do you think that people kind of also fall into that, too, besides this club? Like, do you see that? Do you see people kind of fighting back against 
what what is that club about blank or whatever yeah no, i mean, I mean are I people know... kind of going along with that or fighting back against it you know i mean i know that no, some groups yeah. are you know but i think you know one thing about the club scene i don't know if it's just in berlin but in general there's so many people that just in their mind they just do it to turn their brains off so you know they may not be all on the, you know, Berlin Auslander memes when they go really political about what's going on in certain places and follow the thread back from years ago to know that about blank is a quote unquote bad place um, for politics. Um, so just you know, want, they just want to go out basically. Yeah. And it's a like club. I had a friend who was booked to play there and it wasn't until, you know, it was the day of the party. He had some friend like, oh no, I don't go there because of their politics. And he dug into it and he was like, well, shit, I wouldn't have accepted this gig if I knew that. And he's like, and I don't want to accept anymore. So there are people who take, you know, hard stands on it. Um, but yeah, I would say, you know, in the kind of the leftist scene, to be leftist and anti-Dutch is very rare. Like, you know, I've gotten into arguments with people on social media that I know who are leftist and cool. And then the second BDS came up, then you hear like, definitely the most zionist talking points ever <laughs> and you're just like what where's this coming from yeah i mean they kind of i mean that's the thing that i think is how some of these things just keep going is they have their talking points like they have their fake history they have their things that they say israel has a right to exist or these kind of like just random ass things and it's like what other country even says that you know what i mean yeah. it's just it's just all of it is a joke but you know, because they have these things kind of prepackaged and ready, like, are you ready to buy into this complete fake history? And are you ready to have, then we have all the talking points that go along that are also all bullshit. So yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, it's kind of like even just Western history in general. It's really built on a gigantic pile of bullshit. But let's say you just kind of want to buy into it a little bit. Well, then there's much, there's endless things for you to buy into i.e. the civilized yeah. world, which is, well, I mean, I think it's really being proven more and more that, you know, the Western imperialist, quote unquote, civilized world is a bunch of pirates that make hey. their own rules and then they decide that they're the civilized ones, you know? Yeah. And so it's, and like, it's warped. Yeah. It's just all of it is extremely warped. But, you know, I, I feel like, as you said, like the cognitive dissonance, you know, it's it's like you have to step out of that bubble to see it. Otherwise, you're kind of like, oh, this all makes sense. You yeah, know? definitely. And the fact, like I said, that it's reinforced by these books that are only in German <laughs> that have kind of this very alternative facts type of, you know, narrative going on. Like, you know, in one of the arguments that I had with this friend, he was just sending me links to these books. And I was like, first of all, you know, this stuff is not worth the paper that it's printed on yeah, it's and bullshit. notice that it's, it's only like a very niche like german only thing because in english no one would i mean okay i'm not gonna say no one but it would be very um surprising <laughs> in english these books with these kind of like strange alternative theories would ever be published because it would be such a shitstorm. Yeah, and I think that's what's interesting is, you you know, that's the twisted shit about Zionism is like, okay, let's corner this little German market and just kind of float stuff specifically for Germany to yeah. try and just catch whoever is going to buy into it in Germany. Like, it's interesting that it's only in German language. Yeah. 
Because, again, you don't even hear about that stuff here. And I, I generally kind of follow a lot of this stuff. And like I said, I, I hadn't heard about that, about blank things. So, I mean, I, there's always a million things. And, you know, obviously, if you follow the day-to-day what's going on in Palestine and different neighborhoods, you know, it's not necessarily like the most important news. But it is another aspect of just how this machine, you know, mm-hmm. kind of goes around to kind of like, you know, manufacture consent in a way. You know, and again, it's like trying to get left wing pro queer club goers to basically support an apartheid government. I mean, it's just that you can't even that doesn't even have gay marriage legal. You know, that's another thing, too. It's like they're like, oh, it's like come to Tel Aviv for gay pride and stuff. And, you know, you can't get married there. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's 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 all kind of like I said, it's just bullshit. It's 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 hard to take. But uh, yeah. I mean, there's definitely a lot of that. I mean, I think, you know, it's, you know, I don't want to speak for anyone, but just in conversations that I've had um, with Israelis who have, who live in Germany, who've moved away, um, you know, especially living in Israel, they see, you know, a lot more things that we see reading about it in the newspaper or or even seeing the videos. And most of the ones that I met are pretty pro-Palestine. And then it's, you know, like the person that you were talking about who got arrested. So it becomes like a very, you know, crazy thing, a probably crazy making thing for them where, you know, they're like, I'm actually from there and I'm telling you that the country is fucked and then being yelled at German people that they don't know what they're talking about. And it's like, what? Yeah, it's almost <laughs> like Germans like saying, well, you're the wrong kind of Jew, which again, <laughs> it's sort of like extra when it's coming from, you know, say the German police or something, you know, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's wild. That's wild. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Do you see yourself like there, like long term, in terms of uh, being? I mean, you, you know, like you're. You said you're considering citizenship. I mean, I know how the years yeah. the years can slip by. Like I said, you've been there now what eight years? Yeah, eight and a half, which is blows my mind every time I think about it. Because I think originally maybe I thought I would do two, three years, and then figure out what I want to do. But then you know, it just flew by. Um, and yeah, you know, I think I. Definitely, I'm going to go for citizenship, if only because of the sunk cost at this point. <laughs> it's like, I'm, you know, I mean, not to say that it's bad, but definitely there were some years where it's like, ah, these sour ass people. <laughs> it's <really laughs> kind of like enduring. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, if I'm leaving, I'm leaving with something. Washington. So <laughs> I think the dream is, you know, maybe become a German citizen and then, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe start splitting my time. Maybe, you know, sometime here, sometime in like Portugal or something. But even though I hear Portugal is overrun with Americans now, everybody there is really upset. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, it's kind of funny. Even some DJs I knew who lived in Berlin, they moved to Lisbon because I guess, again, yeah. that's sort of the new cheap place that's still central or whatever. Have you been to Portugal? Yeah, yeah. I actually used to go there a lot. Like um, a really good friend from college, he grew up there. So I got to spend time in like, you know, real Lisbon and all that. But I mean, uh, I'd say my favorite part is more the South and the Algarve. Like there's the city Faro that has a really nice cultural scene. They have this center that's like a gallery slash hangout space that's been going for 25 years plus. And they just have a really nice vibe there. So, Yeah, I mean... I guess that's what's kind of nice about being in Europe is you can kind of bounce around. I mean, have you kind of like sort of checked out, you know, like other places in terms of you have time off to kind of run around a little bit and get out? Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, actually, when was it? Last month? Yeah, last month, I uh, a friend that uh, I worked with in Frankfurt, his buddy got married in Greece. So I got to spend a weekend in Athens. You know, it's just like, ooh, a weekend in Athens. I'm just going there just to pop over. You know, it's not a big deal. Just going to Athens. Yeah, I guess um, it's, you could just sort of bounce around. Because I that's what I knew, like, you know, when I went to Berlin, I stayed with a few different DJs. And one of them would just be there half the year because it was easy for him to get European bookings if he was in Berlin. Otherwise they'd have to set up a whole tour for him. But if he was already in Germany, then he could bounce to France, come back, bounce to the Netherlands, come back, you know? Yeah. I mean, when I lived in Frankfurt, it's kind of more central um, in terms of Germany. So, you know, when you live in Frankfurt, you can have four hours to Paris, four hours to Amsterdam, Berlin in four hours, um, Munich and probably like two and a half, but Berlin is a lot more, uh, Northeast. <laughs> so I only just recently realized that Vienna, uh, not Vienna, um, Prague is about four hours from here. Vienna is about eight, um, Poland closer than that. I mean, I think it's 100 miles away to the Polish border. Um, so, you know, I've heard of people just kind of getting up on a Saturday, taking the train, uh, getting off at the last stop in Germany, just walking across a bridge and <laughs> going to Poland, which is kind of funny, but I haven't tried it yet. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, and, and you know, like, do you, do you when you come back to the States, do you feel like you're missing something or you're kind of almost glad you're there? Because I know if, probably if you're kind of established out there with a certain kind of lifestyle and then coming back to the States where it gets more and more expensive, like, does it seem like, you know, oh, I'm glad I left or you're kind of missing some of this stuff? I mean, how do you Um, feel about it? I'd say it's half and half. I'd say for the first few years, I, so I, when I left, I, I, you know, I tried to leave twice. So the first time when I left for a few months and then I left again um, at the beginning of 2015 and when I was out, I was out. Like I was pretty much like, all right. So they gave me my visa. I'm supposed to be the first of March. Take all my stuff. You know, I, I want to get rid of it. Or, you know, there's some stuff I put in the storage unit or whatever. But I was just like, I could not get out of there fast enough. And I'd say the first couple of years when I visited, it was just like, eh, it's all right. I still don't miss it. But it was only when I was in May. So, you know, after eight years away, I was finally like, you know, actually New York has something. Like there's a certain energy, a certain like, literally actually multicultural, <laughs> like you can see everybody represented that I definitely miss um, in Europe, especially in Germany. Um, so, you know, just kind of walking around and getting into random conversations with people and just the interaction, the warmth, the kind of vibrancy when I finally came back this time, I was like, man, I need to be here for like a month. Because <laughs> I kind of missed well, that. When you life. say, I know you're making a joke and it's kind of like whatever, a little stereotype, but when you say like these sour ass people, what do, what do you say? <laughs> like, I mean, is it in terms of like, is there kind of like a looseness in America that you find is like maybe Europe is a little more uptight or Germany in some ways or? Yeah, yeah. And it's especially um, so in Berlin, even in Germany, it's known for kind of a like a bit of a dickish attitude, <laughs> let's say. Uh, they call it the Berlinish, the Berliner Schnauze. Uh, so it's just, you know, the kind of way of being where you're just kind of like, man, it's kind of sarcastic and a little rude. Um, Caustic, so, kind of. Yeah, but like, but it's a little more than that, because 
And see, that's why that's like... why in Germany they have a word for everything, you know, because it's like no, it's yeah. just it's just this it's this German word exactly. <laughs> I can't quite describe it. It takes me a paragraph to describe this one word, you know. Yeah, but I think it's a thing. I, I you know I was actually talking to a friend like this. I think it's so. People usually leave you alone, I would say, but then you'll have an encounter with them and nine times out of 10, it's negative. And it's usually negative for no reason. Like it's just an unnecessary type of thing. And it's like, why are you talking to me in the first place? And it's usually like blasting me with this, you know, negative attitude. So that's the Berliner thing. And that's even other people from Germany, they're like, yeah, everybody's kind of shitty. But it's not like in the New York sense where people say that New York people are mean. Oh, we're actually pretty nice. We're just busy. No, no, that's the thing. Actually, many <laughs> times when you approach people in New York, they will be kind of dickish because it's like many times when people do approach you and you don't know them, they're trying to hustle you, sell you something, whatever. And it's like, but then if someone is actually lost, you give them directions or whatever and, yeah. you know, help them out. So that's why I think it's kind of a misnomer. It's just more like people get hustled all the time in new york so there there's maybe the very initial encounter is like who are you what the fuck and then yeah but then if they actually need help people will help them so yeah and, or and, volunteer to help them just yeah. by seeing them looking lost yeah. yeah you know and i've seen that happen i mean i've tried to basically echo that ethos when i'm you know helping people who are lost like whatever it doesn't take me a minute to tell someone what train they should get on as opposed to them wandering around being late taking the wrong train Whatever, or blocking the know. door when you're trying to get in. <laughs> but yeah, that kind of dick for no reason stuff. You know, I mean, it's funny now. I'm living up in Hudson, and it's it's it is like surprisingly kind of a bougie town a little bit, mm -hmm. and people are kind of a little bit you know unfriendly aloof. here, aloof. Yeah, yeah it, you know, and I get I get tired of that because I I've dealt with that enough in art and music scenes that I'm just I'm very over, you know kind of stuck yeah. people or the kind of gatekeepers that you find in music scenes where it's like art you know am i cool enough i've been djing for 30 years <laughs> I'm, can i can i sit at your heathers type table now or whatever you know yeah. it's, it's like i'm just very over it you know but it is what it is you know that's just it's also one of those things that's just just how some people are you know and uh, you know you don't have to be friends with them for you know necessarily but yeah yeah I don't know. But uh yeah, I guess in the state I don't know. It's just, again, it's all kind of general stereotypes, but yeah, I mean I think sometimes you do kind of encounter certain types of people in certain towns more than others, you know, or certain countries, yeah. you know. Cuz I mean, like I said, even if even the Germans say it, <laughs> you know, and like... they're kind of owning up to it a little bit, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's like a lot of barking and it's just like don't 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 bug me. <laughs> so, and, 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 and apparently the proper response is supposed to be you bark back and then people want to be nice. And it's like, but you already got on my nerves. So no, I yeah, no, exactly. I don't know if I subscribe to that. I don't know if I subscribe to that, you know. Yeah, it's just a, kind of a shitty way to be. So I'm just like, half the time I'm just like, whatever. <laughs> kind of, you know. but, but you must have like, you know, a crew of people or kind of a community that you, you hang with at this point. You know, definitely, definitely. I mean, I would actually say that my friend group was probably about 50 50 um, German and international people from wherever. Um, especially when I lived in Frankfurt, I had a whole German crew kind of adopt me. <laughs> so I still go there and I still uh, hang with those people and go to their, you know, 
parties in the old jail and all that stuff. Like, you know, I still live there. <laughs> parties in the old jail. That's hilarious. Like, let's throw rave at Alcatraz or something. Yeah, you know? it's like, you know, repurposing, of course. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that is that is actually kind of key when, when you kind of are somewhere and then you have, like, people kind of, quote, unquote, adopt you. That definitely helps a lot, you know? Yeah. Because it kind of opens doors and it's welcoming. I think that's something that I think I'm still kind of discovering at Hudson is that, you know people are, are not always super welcoming and then it's like you're kind of finding your way on your own a little bit or whatever you know definitely I mean if anything I would say that's probably the more positive aspect about Berlin versus Frankfurt because in Berlin you know there's a lot of people from wherever they're from or you know moved here for school or or something like that so there's a or transient or something like that so it's very easy to just be like all right I'm at the party and I met this cool girl at the bar line you know, maybe we can get a coffee or something. It usually doesn't happen. <laughs> but, you know, you just feel like you're part of something, at least for the evening. And then, you know, I'd probably say I lived in Frankfurt a good nine months. And the only people I knew were basically the people that I worked with. And uh, until actually, you know, using like dating apps, <laughs> I ended up making friends uh, from there. And then I got like kind of introduced into a whole world. Because Frankfurt is kind of like an Amsterdam for the way where there's like a surface level stuff going on where you're like, you know, maybe you're the type of person who's like, oh, I only want to go to the coffee shop and hang out on the canal riding a bike or something. Uh, but then, you know, you go down the alley and there's a, like a, they don't call it Kanaipa there, but whatever they call the the little pubs that's been there since the early 1900s. And it's a whole scene from like the school or something like that. And then you end up kind of, you know, having your world expanded. Um, but Berlin, you can just basically arrive, <laughs> basically. <laughs> because it's just such a there's just a million different scenes going on and whatever yeah and you know it, i think especially to you know there's a lot of competition especially in, in parties and stuff going on so for some especially if you're a promoter or a dj or whatever the bigger your network is yes exactly yeah it becomes right. it, it becomes a thing <laughs> so yeah it's how you stay afloat really so actually so you know um with the elections and everything, so. Are the elections in Germany or the elections here in the United in the United States? I think both. <laughs> when, so, when is when is the election in Germany coming up? Um. So the national elections happened two years ago, but Berlin is such a bizarre place. Like, um, so they had the city elections at the same time as the the federal elections, but they completely messed it up. <laughs> How? <laughs> because basically the, the same day as the election was the Berlin Marathon or something. So they actually didn't plan around this. So there were... That's insane. Uh, how are you going to have an election the same day as a marathon and then streets are closed? That's I know, insane. But, I know. But, you know, like, seriously, Berlin is like three kids in a trench coat pretending to be a <laughs> Administration-wise, like, it's really bad. <laughs> So, yeah, they messed up this election and then they had to redo it. So um, during the first election, they had this coalition between like the Green Party, um, this this party called the SPD, which is like the old school Democrats and the um, Linka, which is basically the remnants of the Communist Party that used to be in like East Berlin, East Germany. So they were a coalition together. And then they redid the elections. <laughs> so now it's still the like the U.S. Democrats. 
plus the CDU, the Christian Democrats Union, uh, which are kind of like old school Republicans. So now they're the head of the city. Um, and the last party was in, the last group was in power for maybe like seven months and now everything's changed. So, you know, they're getting rid of like the bike lanes. They're getting rid of. Really? Yeah. See, that that seems like absolutely crazy because, you know, that was one of the things that, you know, and I'd been to Amsterdam a few times for that Utrecht record fair. And Mm -hmm. uh, again, was kind of blown away about, wow, you can really get around this whole city by bike, though Berlin was much bigger. But Berlin also like you could get around everywhere by bike and it was like kind of amazing you know why would you and i think once that's established why would you get rid of that in fact i thought like new york has kind of put in a lot more bike lanes so they're not quite like europe where Mm -hmm. they're always protected sometimes they have the cars parked so it is but sometimes it's not and it still can be you know quite dangerous biking around new york but like I just thought like, you know, Berlin, I was like, I, I always, when I went to those cities again, it was, it was a number of years ago. And, uh, I don't know. I, I was very impressed. Why the hell would you yeah. want to get rid of that? You know, like I said, they're like the old school Republicans. They're all about small government, blah, blah. So <laughs> more cars. This, yeah, exactly. Their whole thing is pro cars. Um, so there's this, um, you know, the funny thing about Berlin, it takes a million years to get anything built here. Like the big airport that they were making, it was 10 years behind schedule. So the big why, thing Why now... is that, you think? <laughs> I get because... the, the three kids in the trench coat sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, I will say as someone who's worked in the German office that people are very, um, they're very focused on their task, but not necessarily how the tasks fit together. So, you know, the door people were like, all right, we've got working doors. They open and close the escalator people. We've got escalators. They go up and down. You know, the person who was building the parking lot, we got a great parking lot. It's wonderful. But did anyone, was there anyone there who was managing the project to make sure that everything happens at the same time? No. So that's why it was 10 years too late. And I think double the initial budget. So it's actually ridiculous. So, um, these bike lanes. So they were trying to do the things where, you know, kind of like how it is um, in New York, where they get protected, especially in, in on the roads that are dangerous, where there's buses coming and stuff like that. Exactly. And they're trying to cut funds from that to focus it instead to this highway project. That's also, I think, 15 years late at this point where they're doing an extension of the kind of like the if you know, D.C. with like the that loop. highway. The, yeah, the loop. So like the the. Berlin equivalent of that. Um, so they've done, I think, 15 stages of it up till now. They've been working on this forever. So now they want to build the 17th one, where basically what they want to do is just bulldoze their way through um, Friedrichstein, where there's all these clubs, all these centers, all these houses that they've built. So it's almost like some Robert, some Robert Moses shit, you know, and just exactly. bulldoze, it, bulldoze it down for the Cross Bronx Expressway or whatever. Exactly, exactly that. And, you know, the last government that they had, they were like, it's definitely not happening. We're putting a pause to this. And now the new one came in. It's definitely happening. And, you know, there was a big... Uh... Democracy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants it. I keep leaning towards communists. Like, like, it's happening. It's not happening. It's happening. It's not happening. It's like, oh, God, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so they had a big demo against this. And, you know, the funny thing about when there's a 
a German demo about something, it's always a rave. So they had the big, Hilarious. you know, they had the big. We're protesting. Range. Get the sound system. I mean, it's kind of exactly. dope. I, I can get, get behind DJs. that. You know. No, I mean, I love it too. Like I remember in Frankfurt, my friend was like, "Hey, there's a demo. It's a party. Let's do it." And then I go there, and it's like, "Oh, we're dancing our way across Frankfurt. This is kind of fun. Like, you know, cool." Um, but yeah, so this whole thing is just a, a mess, mess, mess. But the only good thing that we can say is that it takes so long for anything to actually move forward in Berlin that the new government will probably be there before anything happens. And they're talking about doing the elections for the third time. So maybe this current party, um, the CDU, will mess up and we'll get another coalition that will say definitively no to the highway. But yeah too much and what in and, and terms of like how do uh like people in germany or berlin kind of react to american elections um i mean you know they definitely have a sense of superiority about the whole thing but you know in berlin it's like i know it's not you guys talking <laughs> well i think it's that's like, the ooh. thing about europe that i always thought was kind of funny it's like oh you know in america everything is so racist you know but it's it's, it's almost like kind of what you were saying where you know well maybe because you're dealing with much less you know black people like directly on the continent i mean like you guys did that in africa and everywhere else right? it's like you, you chopped know up the whole continent without permission yeah. so um no, but I mean, I think sometimes there is that kind of like, oh, America is so much more racist. And I think I think it's like I'm not trying to defend America at all. You know what I'm no, saying? No, it is a racist not. mother. It is a racist piece of shit in a lot of ways. But I, it, it's yeah. just it's funny that people in Europe sometimes have a superiority about that, because then, like, as you said, as we were kind of talking about, it's like, well, yeah, how are you looking at the Turkish people in your city or whatever? It's It's kind of yeah. like it's kind of a tell, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like the U.S. definitely doesn't have the market cornered on white supremacy or any of or racism or any of that stuff. That's for sure. It's just a different focal point. So, yeah, and I mean, I don't know if you followed even some of the stuff with like the Nord Stream pipeline getting bombed uh, and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. I mean, and then you know you had Seymour Hersh's articles basically saying that the Americans did it. it it's no, I'm just saying like. It just seems weird that Germany, I mean, do people even kind of react? Because it almost seems like they're not necessarily even a sovereign state in terms of like when you have Western imperialism in the U.S. is kind of the mafia don in a way, you know, because yeah. it's like they basically bombed their quote unquote allies infrastructure. And then Germany still sends tanks to Ukraine and stuff. I mean, it's just kind of nuts. I don't know. At least that's. Yeah. I mean, I'd say it's kind of pure pressure at this point because, you know, everybody else in the EU is doing it. We have to do it, too. And the the current chancellor, um, Schultz, actually got a lot of shit for being a little, you know, uh, slow uh, with sending all of the stuff that they wanted. Um, and, you know, a lot has been done for Ukraine here in Germany, like um, in the EU in general, people who came from Ukraine as refugees, they got three-year um residence permits straight off um also money um to live here um you know outside of the shelters and everything um compared to people who are coming from Syria or from you know Afghanistan or from Pakistan who were still sitting in the same 
detention centers that they've been sitting in since they got here and they can't work and they can't do anything. So, yeah, I mean, and that's like kind of how that's again, how that sort of latent racism sort of comes off because it's almost like they're immigrants of the right color and they're mm-hmm. and they're being spot and they're kind of going along with the Western narrative that like Russia is evil, Ukraine is good. So we have to support these people where someone like Syria, it's like, again, you're kind of those sketchy Middle Eastern and terrorist or whatever kind of like labels you want to put on people, you know? Yeah. But I mean, I would obviously say that the whole Ukraine thing here, it's not really cut and dry. Um, There's a lot of people who are really, you know, more, I'd say, pro getting people out of a war zone than pro, you know, Zelensky or pro Putin. You know what I mean? So... Um, especially since anything that happens there, we're right fucking here. Well, that's <laughs> so, another like, thing, too. It's like you guys are not that far. If you're kind of on the Polish border, then you're not too far removed from from any of that stuff, you know? Yeah. So I'd say it's like less about, you know, wrangling with ideology here than really just like, fuck, you know, these people are their homes, like help them out. But, you know, at the same time, it's like, how, why do they get so much more help than everybody else is a thing that a lot of people are bringing up. So, you know. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I think, yeah, I think we covered it. Like most of just like the difference between the U S and Germany, Berlin being a kitty state. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's just, it's, it's, I mean, it must be, like I said, just in general, it's, I guess you have to laugh sometimes because it's just the things are kind of bizarre. You know. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's. But I will say one thing is funny. Just the stuff that you miss. Um, uh, you know, I'd say even over time. So the things that I probably miss when I immediately left the U.S. or left New York, like you know, the bodega sandwiches and all that stuff. I mean, that's still very strong. But now it's like, it's what's funny the equi- when I go what's back. the equivalent of that? Like you know, kebabs or something or whatever. Yeah, I guess like a dinner. But I mean, I don't know. It's just not the same. Right. It's not the same. It doesn't hit the spots. It's not like, you know, satisfying my lizard brain like U.S. Well, the thing that was a trip for me in Amsterdam is, you know, we're coming out of some Belgian bar at like 2.30 in the morning and there was no diners. And it's like, here's all these people like stoned and drunk. And all they had was like, what is it, that FIBO or whatever, that automated Like and it's like uh, awful with the windows, you know. It's like going back to some fifties automat shit, and it's like these are like half lukewarm fries have been sitting here for an hour. Like I know this is like where is the Jersey Diner kind of thing. (laughs) So that that's what I was surprised at. But I guess I'm like uh, I mean not that it's it's always a great look to to have some meal at three in the morning after you're drunk, but at the same time those places do kind of occupy a certain need sometimes, you know. But like honestly, the bodega sandwich, like, you know. If someone even broke out with like the halal cart here, they probably would make money hand over fist, you know. Like, oh, now that's something I've started really missing recently. Just the little platter with the rice and right. the oh, the sauce. Oh my god. <laughs> <sighs> what are what are some other things that you were missing or, or missing over time? You know. So you're saying you like the bodega sandwiches and that kind of stuff yeah. initially. I mean, also like. Um, uh just i think i kind of was getting into this before just like kind of just the easy interactions with people 
because actually customer service here is basically non-existent. If you go into the supermarket um, and the and the cashier, they go out of their way to say hello and you say hello back. That's the routine. And then they're basically throwing your stuff down the <laughs> conveyor belt. So you have to hurry up and pick all your things up and put them in the cart or put them in your bag before, you know, you have to pay. And then the next person immediately starts after and they're throwing their stuff down. So it's really just like, can I just relax for two seconds? <laughs> can you not toss my things? Like, what is going on? So I think especially people when they first move here, when, you know, you go from the the U.S. checkout where it's like, how's your day? Blah, blah, blah. How you doing today? Nice shirt. Oh, that's a pretty color on you. You know, where you're really just having like a lot of back and forth, a lot of banter, you, maybe someone to pack your bag for you or, you know, whatever. And it's just a very leisurely thing. Here they actually, I hear they get in trouble if they don't, you know, check out someone's stuff by a certain amount of time. So it's really just like, like a, a factory conveyor it's belt. It's a German <laughs> efficiency that we've all heard about, basically. Which is the biggest joke in the history of the world. So actually, I have a good story for you. So kind of collected, uh, connected to um, the citizenship thing here. So Berlin uh, has, I think, I don't know, maybe like eight or ten different boroughs. Um, and they each run citizenship on their own. So, you know, if I live in Prince Lauerberg, I need to go to the the Prince Lauerberg uh, local uh, government office to apply to be German. And that one had a backlog of three years. But if you lived in another neighborhood, Mitte, you can get the whole thing done in four to six months. So what they decided to do instead of, you know, hiring people to go into these offices was to centralize everything. So what they did was, you know, everybody who had a backlog, they like try to finish it until November. If you can't finish it, it's going to go to the centralized place. Meanwhile, they told everyone, don't submit your application. Wait until January when the new place opens. So basically, they're going to open in January. Most of the people who worked in these neighborhood things, they don't want to go to a new neighborhood to work. So they just quit. So now they don't have enough staff. They're going to have a backlog of thousands. So maybe in like 2030, I'll actually Unless I just move away from Berlin to a real city that works. Because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, with the DMV, you could just go to a different DMV. Like, you wouldn't have to mess. So, yeah. Yeah. Mess. It's a, just a whole mess. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the three kids in the trench coat striking again, you know? It's yeah, because like... it's like, I've got a great idea, and it's actually absurd. <laughs> <laughs> but they actually run with it. Yeah, and then it's like, the funny thing is they have this thing, like, so... The place where you like go to register or get a license and all this stuff is called the Burgeramt. And they have this one little test one they call the Burgeramt of the future. And you know what's so futuristic about it? There's an electronic screen that you can check in at and they have Wi-Fi and charging stations. <laughs> the future. <laughs> and they'll have a and, little FIBO in the corner. You can get some lukewarm <laughs> fries while you while you're still... While you're waiting until 2030 for your citizenship yeah. papers. And the best part is none of the other uh, neighborhoods, boroughs, are going to get these burger of the futures until at least 2025. And it's like, well. Uh, yeah, <laughs> okay. you don't, no charging station for you. We can't <laughs> install these USB you know, ports. Sorry. That's going to take yeah. another five years. <laughs> yeah, it's so silly. It's really like, I mean, if, and if you were in Frankfurt, like, you know, the Burger Arms of Frankfurt, 
I could just go in on my lunch break. Like I'd be in and out of like a half an hour. And that is after waiting after people who really had an appointment. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that is one beautiful thing about living up in Hudson as uh, you know, I had to like re-register my uh, license with a mm-hmm. new address and there was three people total in the DMV. I was like, this is like, have I died and gone to heaven? This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes, yeah, sometimes these small towns have their advantages in terms of that. But, uh, oh, man. Well, anyways, Candice, it's so nice to catch up with you. You uh, Next time you're in New York, uh, hopefully we can link up. I'm there in and out these yeah. days, you know, with the DJ stuff. But, uh, yeah, it is kind of wacky living up here. I, I do feel a little yeah. disconnected. I missed a lot of those, like, hip-hop you know, hip hop is 50 shows just because I'm yeah. working or up here. So sometimes you get FOMO, but you know, it's, it's not so bad up here, but, uh, you know, yeah. And just think of all the years where you went to everything. Well, under that's the, sun. the thing. So I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't really super get FOMO, but I, I don't want to disconnect either. I mean, I mean, like uh, I said, yeah. it must be nice again that you're in Berlin. You can still go out all the time, you know? So that's gotta yeah. be nice. You know. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's and, and one thing I do like about it, like there's just so much to do. Like, for example, there was this um, last week was Berlin Art Week and there was this photography museum that opened and, you know, they did a the kind of a big concert with Peaches playing. Oh, cool. So, you know, something like that where you could like go out. But, you know, it does, it's not necessarily standing at a club at like 6 a.m., you know. So, yeah, I feel like they mix it up here. So that's nice. Yeah, no, for sure. There's, I mean, like I said, when I was in Berlin, I was like, wow, they're really putting New York to shame in terms of like a true all night town. So, yeah. I mean, you know, as you get older, like, yeah, do you want always want to hang out till way, way, way past the sun coming up? I mean, sometimes, but you know, yeah. but you know, <laughs> I think it's nice is that you just have that option. I think that's, that's what, you know, New York, like, with the pandemic, with some of the restaurants, like Wohop closes at 10 p.m. now, you know? What? And like, yes, exactly. <laughs> and New York Noodle Town, same thing. Oh my God. So it's, it's, it's just like, it seems wrong. Like, it's, yeah. I, I feel like it's kind of not the end all summary of New York, but it's like, how is like Wohop, like, just remember being in there at five in the morning, getting like a beer in the coffee cups because they were so grandfathered in with the police. It was like one of the few places yeah. where they just didn't care. And it's, I don't know, y- you know, I just feel like those places always kind of make New York. And so when they change like that, it's like, what's happening to this town? But, you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think people is, who you know. have lived here longer than me feel that too. Um, you know, well, with like... Berlin, that Berlin's changing in a way. Yeah, like, like they're I mean, kind of actually... they're they're complaining about like oh because I just don't be I, because Big I still time. feel like Berlin is still probably twenty four hours so it's like whatever but but what what are these people saying then? I mean, you know, I think it's it's partly people getting older and you know like I was saying before about the poor but sexy thing like people might be poor but the stuff isn't necessarily poor anymore so if right. you were able to kind of get by just with like the occasional freelance job, the occasional DJ job and your rent was like 400 euro, you know, now it's a lot tighter, like food. Oh, I used to be able sometimes to go to the supermarket and get, you know, a meal plus for like eight euro. That same cart is like almost 20 now. So, you know, everything is the gas prices, the electric prices, everything has risen a lot. And if you, like I was saying before, if you need to get a new apartment, like, 
And then the funny thing about the listing is, you know, it'll look like a a hurricane ran through it where you need to put down the floors, you need to sand the walls. Wait, wait a minute. Are you renting it and you need to put down the floors? Yeah. Oh, no, actually... that's fucked up. Wait, no, wait, no, wait, wait actually... a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. So that's actually a traditional German way with apartments. So usually you would get an apartment and you expect to live there for 30 years. So um, you would put the kitchen in. You put all the light fixtures in. Wild. I mean, I hope yeah, this shit is, is rent stabilized and, and all that stuff then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, once you, you know, get that contract, you can keep it as long as you want. And but, you know, it depends because back in the day, you know, you would have like a, a maybe like a three percent um, rise every two years or whatever. But you know, depending now if it's like a, especially a expensive newer apartment, the the variables for that stuff is a lot very is a lot different than it used to be. But you know, it's like some means testing shit. It's like, oh, let's fuck with these numbers a little bit. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that's but, um, crazy that you know you would you're renting a place and you actually have to put in the floors. I mean that's yeah. insane. That's crazy. like in IKEA, they have a whole station of like the kitchen thing where you go there to the computer and you basically put the dimensions of what your kitchen are and you plan out what the cabinets are going to be, what the oven could be, what the sink will be, the dishwasher. For your if you want rental that. apartment, not for a place your you own. Apartment. For wow. a rental apartment. Like there's a thing where people are spending like four grand on a, an apartment moving into a new, on a rent, a kitchen moving into a new apartment. It's like. But are people actually still planning on being in that apartment for 30 years then nowadays or no? You know? Uh, not necessarily. And it's also a thing sometimes where it's like if you want to get someone's apartment, they'll try to be like, well, if you're going to buy my kitchen for two twenty five hundred, then you can have it, you know? So. Oh, wow. So then they kind of almost throw that in as like a sort of bargaining chip. Well, I yeah. spent X amount. So. Yep. That is wild, man. I mean, I could say I never thought about a light fixture in an apartment until I moved here. Like I moved into my apartment and it was just basically a, a, a wire hanging from the ceiling <laughs> and, and they didn't all even have the light bulb connected. And then I had to go and be like, what would I put here as a lamp? Like I never thought about that once. That is wild. Yeah, see, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. that is that kind of cultural thing where you go somewhere else and you're like, oh, this is how you do things because it's just. Yeah, wacky. I remember yeah. being so disturbed when I was in Frankfurt and looking at apartments and and the you know the like the broker ladies like here's the kitchen and walking in there and there was nothing, not a sink, not an oven, nothing, an empty room with pipes coming out of the wall. And I said, where's the stuff? And she's like, oh, you know, so you can put your own things in. And I was like, oh, my God. Uh. <laughs> Dude, that's some serious culture shock. Like, and here's the kitchen. And it's an empty room with some freaking pipes coming. Exactly. I was like, no I don't want to know about this. <laughs> Welcome to your squat, you know. Welcome right? to sea squat you know. <laughs> It's like, I know it's unfurnished, but I didn't know the kitchen was optional. Unfurnished, I.e. Like, like, the kitchen cabinets are not included. <laughs> Seriously, like nothing. Not a not a counter, not a cabinet, oh, not a fridge, so that's big, not an oven, nothing. That is some culture shock. <laughs> <laughs> I would have never imagined something like that. For rentals, though, that's kind of wild, you know? Yeah, that's super wild.
That is freaking wild, man. Well, yeah. uh, it's been an absolute pleasure, my dear, for real. Um, how so? How often? So, I mean, in the long run, you're you're envisioning trying to like bounce back and forth a little bit more, or you know? Yeah, I think so. I want to try it because I I feel like for I all mean, these, can you years... work remote and stuff for what you do? Yeah, yeah, I can. But I mean, the thing has been more like I've always just been like I don't feel like being there longer because I was like, eh, I don't even want to be there. I want to go like you know, get my renewal non-driver's ID or whatever. <laughs> so it's like, I got stuff to do. I'm not here just to hang out. It's expensive. But yeah, now I'm like, next time I'm going to visit, it's going to be like two weeks or something. So I can really see everybody and kind of chill and not just feel like I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off the whole time. Yeah, that's kind of what happens sometimes, you know, when, you know, I'm from California, so I go, I go back there. And, and sometimes if I don't have a lot of time, then you're just not going to see everybody, especially if you, you know, my parents are, are older. Well, my dad passed sort of recently, but it's like, yeah, so you just end up spending, you want to spend time with your family or, or just your people. And you don't yeah. always get a chance to see even just all the other people that you would just see periodically or whatever, because it's too much. Otherwise, you'd just be running around the whole time, as you exactly. said. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but right. thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, this no. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. You're you're awesome peoples, and uh, I'm glad that you're uh, surviving and thriving out there. And thanks for all <laughs> yeah. those stories. It was like so funny. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, I, I well, that was part of the reason we were talking. I'm like, I knew you would have a good perspective on some of this stuff, or just because it's it's sort of like in between the uh, what you don't get in the travel books. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm gonna like, I can find, I'm going to see if I can find one of these crazy books that I've been talking about. So you can like see these really bizarre. Like... Yeah, like I said, I, I have to look and see if they've covered that stuff or not. But I do think it's something that especially, again, I, like I said, I know there's more important things pressing probably about what's happening with Palestine and stuff like that. But it is kind of insidious that they're just marketed to like specifically to Germans. So I, and I, and I feel like, especially with that, that club, you know, about blank, it's like specifically trying to like even take away some of those like more politically open party goers to kind of be like, yeah. no, buy into our bullshit. And I, it, that shit is insidious. That shit yeah. is really I think, insidious. I think resident advisor, I know they has, I think they've had like maybe, a couple of articles about this, but you know, you know how they do where they have in the news section that it doesn't get too deep, but I know they've mentioned it. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, I think I found a resident advisor article on it, but again, sometimes it's like these things, they're not going to try and like take too strong of a stance, which I think is, yeah. unfortunately, I just think it's really a mistake, you know, see, that's where it's like, sometimes they're like, well, we don't know where to stand because there's all this copious amount of bullshit that we can't tell if it's bullshit or not. And that is also yeah. an aspect of like how much like messaging and bullshit they throw out there that it, it is. The purpose is to confuse people like they may yeah. not get people to like sign on to Israel, but then they might be more hesitant to diss it. Because they're like, well, we don't know all the facts because there's this whole stack of bullshit that we don't know is yeah. bullshit. You know. Totally. So, anyways, but uh, yeah, well. thank you. Uh, thanks for uh, talking and, and all that stuff. And uh, we'll, you know, I'll catch you when I catch you. But good luck yeah, with cool. everything. 
enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, For me, it's like the I know, I know. like the sun of Abu. Well, I yeah. mean, in Berlin, it does't matter, right? You just yeah, like, well, yeah, you just, know. It's just a Wednesday. I'm, I got to work tomorrow. Yeah, I'm getting up now because I'm, I'm going to Bergheim and at like 6 p.m. and be there till 6 a.m. or something. No, you know? no, 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 not during the week. I during know. the week, I'm a very responsible. I'm person. sure you are. No, I, I'm not trying to blow you up your spot. All right, Dennis. All right, well, I'll catch you soon. All right. Okay. Cool. Peace. Bye. To hear the exclusive Stark Reality playlist from Candace Holmes, go to episode 64 of Stark Reality on Apple, Mixcloud, or wherever you get your music podcasts. Or live and direct on jasoncharles.net podcast network music channel. Don't forget to subscribe to both Stark Reality and Stark Reality playlists wherever you get your podcasts. You've been listening to Small Changes, Stark Reality on jasoncharles.net. jasoncharles.net. Deep talk, deep sounds. Oh, wow. That's deep. Very, very deep.